Uh, can you give me a level real quick? A level of what? I don't know. Just start talking. You want a 10? Yes. It feels like a five. I saw the weather rating this morning. It said five. And I'm like, well, that's pretty subjective. Mm. What if I'm a flower and I want rain? I would rate it higher than a five. Most of viewers aren't flowers. Yeah, but... A lot of flowers watch TV. How many days a year do we actually get to go out in the rain? I think it's kind of cool. We should enjoy it more often. You are an optimist, Sean. Of the coronavirus mean the stock market could be headed for its worst week since the 2008 financial crisis. They sent markets plummeting again today. The Dow closed down nearly a thousand points again, wiping out most of yesterday's gains. More evidence that Wall Street and the economy at large remains on edge. The Dow closed below 20,000 yesterday, nearly erasing all its gains since President Trump took office. Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. Today's conversation is really aimed at, we're going to have three things that we'd like to do. We'd like to give you some perspective. So some perspective on what's happening today in the financial world, how it compares to 2008, maybe even how it compares to the Great Depression, 1928, 1929. The second goal is to give you a, a sense of perception versus reality. So maybe the way you're feeling versus the way, you know, in real numbers, this could play out. So to hope to ease maybe some of your fears and also give you some action steps that you can take um, if you're feeling those fears. It doesn't have to, you don't have to necessarily stay afraid. And the third thing we want to talk about is time. Time is on our side. You still have time to uh, look at your current plan, change your plan, maybe, you know, take advantage of what's happening. So those are the goals of our show today, retiring today. The four people in the room who are going to help us try to achieve those goals are as follows. Rochelle Smith produces this podcast, edits it, puts it all together, makes it sound great when we get all done. Sean Honkamp, he is a CPA. He's an investment advisor representative. He is a person who's talking to investors right now about this and answering their questions. So we want to hear what people are asking him. And then we've got Lauren Merkel. He is a certified financial planner. He's the co-founder of Merkel Retirement Planning. He's also talking to investors every day, answering their questions. And, and we want to bring some of those answers to you today. Okay, so guys, sitting across from me here, the two people that are kind of on the ground talking to investors, let's just start with what are the most common questions you're getting right now and kind of work through some of those things. Uh, Lauren, you want to go first and tell us what are people asking? The most common question that I hear right now is when is it going to end? How, how bad is it going to get? And that's a very common question whenever we go through these types of market movements. And the reason that 2008 is, I think, so important to discuss in relation to what we're what's taking place right now is most people remember it. Most people remember it very well. It was 11 years ago, and it was absolutely painful. That's why they call it the Great Recession. Now, I think we're going to go into a recession. We're not there yet. I think we're going to have one. I don't think it is going to be nearly as severe as 2008, but there are some parallels, and I think there's some really good lessons that we can learn from the Great Recession. So as we go through this recession, we we can use some of the information, some of the, the knowledge that we gained from the the last one to help us not only uh, weather the storm, but also prevail when the storm goes away. Yeah. So let's, let's stay there. Let's go with that, that goal of giving people perspective. And then Sean, will talk to you about the things you're talking to people about. Let's stay with 2008 for a little bit. What, uh, you know, what's the same about this guys? What, 
for those who remember it, what, what feels the same and what happening is happening kind of numbers wise the same. What feels the same is people are losing a lot of money in their 401k plans. That's really what the same is. And I think that's probably the biggest parallel. There's a lot more differences to 2008 in what we're seeing right now than what there are similarities. But the similarity, the big one is people are losing a lot of money, which is creating a panic. Um, it's creating uh, some widespread fear. And one of the things that as we go through these types of market movements, the biggest concern, the biggest question mark is how bad is it going to get? Nobody knows where the bottom's going to be. But what we can, all we have to do is look back to 2008. Remember, remember the, every time we turn on the news, we heard of some other big institution going under. I mean, if we remember Bear Stearns, we remember Lehman Brothers, huge legacy institutions. Nobody ever anticipated being impacted in that way. And the biggest, and, and there was also a run on the banks. Remember that we, there was uh, on the news, people were talking about, they weren't sure if the ATM the next morning was going to spit out money. <clears throat> I mean, the severity was really, really harsh. And the unknown was when's it all going to end? So we're not quite to that hysteria uh, yet with the, the current downturn in the market. But I fear that as this prolongs, people are going to start to, uh, we're, we're going to start to relive some of those things that we saw in 2008. So one of the big differences though, is the fuel, the fuel that uh, started 2008 and the fuel that started what we're going through right now is completely different. We had a housing bubble. We had people getting mortgages that were really not qualified to get mortgages. Um, clearly we know that what's, uh, sparking this is a lot different. It's a pandemic. Um, how does that change the way investors are reacting? I would call this an event-driven recession or an event-driven bear market, whereas the 2008 recession was more of a economic uh, economy type of uh, recession. And there's two different things. I mean, the recession is different than bear markets. The recession is different than corrections. The recession is measured by GDP. When we have two negative consecutive quarters of GDP growth or downside, then that's considered a recession. The markets, when the markets are down between 10 and 20%, that's a correction. Over 20%, that's a bear market. So two completely different things. It just happens to be tied together that when we go through a bear market, sometimes a recession takes place. Not always. When we go through a recession, a lot of times we're going to go through a bear market. Uh, but there's, there's things that you can take away from historical events similar to what we're going through even though and when you turn on the news, everybody's saying this is unprecedented times. And in our lifetime, this type of event really is. I mean, we've had outbreaks before, nothing as severe from a contagion standpoint as what we're going through right now in our lifetime. Uh, and circumstances are always different. 11 years after 2008, present day, our environment, our economy, what drives the economy is different than what, what took place 11 years ago. Fed's cutting the interest rates. What do we need to know about that, Sean? Or what do investors, what's good about that for investors? Well, I think that with the lower interest rates, like with anything changes, there's always opportunity, right? We've got to always look at both sides of everything. So with lower interest rates comes the opportunity to, you know, analyze your consumer debt and see what uh, what options are out there for you, you know, whether it's lower interest rates on potentially your student loans, your credit card, but certainly mortgages. I mean, most American households have a mortgage out there. And with the the, the drop in the rates that we've seen in a short time period, I mean, two drops that were about a point and a half or so, um, in a lot of situations, that's going to uh, provide an opportunity for individuals to refinance their 
uh, mortgage debt, again, if it makes sense in their situation and, and possibly free up cash flow, lower their payments, uh, maybe even shorten their length of their mortgage, which is a, you know, can be a good financial move to make if you think about the long term. What else from a differences standpoint, again, as, as our goal number one here is to put some perspective on this and compare it to 2008, what other differences do we need to point out? I think one difference that stands out to me is how quick this has happened. You know, I was, I was reading something as we prepped for this that um, this 20% bear market correction happened in about 16 days. Um, so that that's something that makes this situation unique. And Lauren kind of touched on it too, that this is really a medical crisis that has now turned into the economic crisis. You know, with it starting over in China and impacting the supply chain, you know, I don't think our economy was reacting much to it at that time. But then once it got over to the United States and other countries, we started seeing those effects and the market started responding to the uncertainty that was coming along with that. I, th- I think that also highlights the necessity to have a plan in place before, right? We, we went through a period of time, and, and Sean, as we were meeting with people, we, we, we saw this. We, we heard these expressions that everything's good. Everything has been good for some time. The economy still looks really good. You know, and, and people were people who didn't already have a retirement plan in place. They were not motivated necessarily to get one because things are good. Why make a change when things are so good? Uh, and this bear market happened in 16 days. You cannot react quickly enough to put a plan in place and protect yourself from that type of movement. So for those who don't have a plan in place or hadn't had a plan in place, they are feeling the effects of this type of quick movement more so than those that have. Everybody that we work with has a plan in place. And that's why, I mean, we talking about unprecedented. Never before have we had so few calls calls from our clients concerned about the market than what we had right now. Because we've been talking about this type of volatility, not necessarily 30% down in, in 16 days, but uh, extreme volatility for now two years. And now it's here. And nobody could predict it was going to be because of the coronavirus. Nobody could predict the oil war. But we knew there was going to be some or felt like there was going to be some excess volatility. So our clients were ready for it. They were ready for it emotionally. They were ready for it from from a financial standpoint. And their plans have weathered the storm thus far. This is the importance. This is why people need to have a plan in place, even when things are really good, because you never know when things are going to turn around. 2008, there was, there was a few more warning signs, right? We, we, there were a few more warning signs. The, the whole decade of 2000 to 2010 was not a great decade. We had a, a mini recession in, the two, in 2000, 2002, from 2000 to 2002. 2005 was a, a downturn in the market. So we had moments that were not very good as opposed to 2009 to 2000, uh, 2009 to really 2020 was a really positive time in the market. What's been really nice to see too is, is the, with the planning that we do here, Merkel, the positioning that we've been able to put ourselves into, right? Opportunities are there, but sometimes it comes down to, well, did you plan ahead? Did you position yourself well? And going back to what Lauren was talking about, I mean, we've, we, we aren't receiving the inbound calls, but we're really going out, reaching out to the family saying, hey, we've positioned ourselves to now's the opportunity to take advantage of certain things, right? Our team has been so busy doing a lot of the you know, Roth conversions and, and doing a lot of dollar cost averaging. If we hadn't, if you didn't have a plan and hadn't positioned yourself well to take advantage of that, then maybe the opportunity wasn't as great. Okay. I think that's good perspective. That kind of shows us how this is a little bit like 2008, but a lot different. Either way, we're all watching the headlines. I don't care what age you are. My, my kids are using the word coronavirus. My five-year-old said something about it. I mean, we're all watching the headlines. 
you're seeing what's happening with these Dow industrials, the futures, and you can't help but get emotionally involved with this thing. It, it, whether you're working from home, whether your kids are home from school, whether you're a retiree who's maybe not uh, kind of afraid maybe to leave because you're susceptible or, or you're older. So let's talk about the emotions of the investing side of this thing, because Sean, you saw it firsthand in a meeting that you recently had with a family where they, they want to get out of the stock market. And we keep he hearing investing type saying, no, this is not a time, good time to get out, but clearly people are. Tell us about the meeting. Tell us about the conversation and, and what happened. Yeah. The emotions that's expected. You know, we're all humans. And when something like this happens, it's something that is outside of our control, right? We know we can't control the stock market and seeing our, you know, dollar balances go down so quickly, so dramatically, I think most of us, well, all of us are going to react that same way. And again, it's just not a time period that we enjoy. Nobody sees that going down or enjoys it when the balances are going down, right? We invest in the stock market because we believe over time we're going to get growth and return, you know, and that's what we want. But, you know, to participate in those gains, we've got to be a part of these, you know, pullbacks and corrections. So, um, yeah, some of the conversations lately, you know, talking with one, uh, one family I work with, you know, they, they've, uh, they're in a strong financial position, you know, they are concerned, there is some panic. Um, and it got to the point where they said, uh, you know, verbatim said, well, we'll sleep better. You know, we, we don't enjoy looking at these balances. It is a family that looks at it every day. And it's paying attention to those dollar amounts and, and, you know, having that conversation. They're thinking about moving to cash. You know, it's, it's really the opposite of what we talk about and what we want to do. But that's not – no rule works for everybody, every family, right? So they get to choose first and foremost, right? It's their money. They're going to care about it more than anybody. So we had some good dialogue and, you know, telling them that, you know, we're seeing some volatility. It's up and down. You know, getting out when it's, it's pulled back some is, is not – generally what we want to do. But then when he kind of circled back to, well, we know we're going to put our head on our pillow and rest a little better at night. You know, that was really the final decision because that's their situation and, it, and it's going to work for them. And if the plan is designed, I don't know if the word correctly is right, but if the plan is designed the way that we kind of the philosophy we follow here at Merkel Retirement Planning you should be able, Lauren, to watch this, maybe even, of course, be a little emotionally tied to what's happening, but know that your entire retirement income does not hinge on what's happening with the Dow Jones Industrial Average. There's not a retiree or pre-retiree that we talk to that says to us they want their lifestyle, they want their retirement lifestyle, or even their emotions to hinge on what's taking place with the Dow or the, the S&P 500. They do not want to live like the stock market. They have lived a volatile life. Life happens, things happen, heartache, pain along the way for 40, 50 years. In retirement, it's kind of time that they see that they want to relax. They have this time, this freedom of time that they can do all these things that they envision uh, from a hobby standpoint or a fun standpoint that they never had time before. And they don't want to be distracted by the S&P 500 or the Dow and all the movements that take place with it. One of, one of the reasons that emotions are so high right now is because not only are people's financial lives getting destroyed, but also their health. Right. And that's significantly different than 2008, too. I mean, it was an economic crisis, but it wasn't a health crisis. It, and the economic crisis wasn't driven by a health crisis. So right now we have people worried about their health. They have people worried about their their grandparents and their parents and and people who are immune deficient 
and lives are at risk. Um, so they're worried about that, but there are, then all the implications, the negative implications that take place with their 401k balance and the retirement plan as well. So a good, effective retirement plan, and that, that seems obscure as well. When we talk about retirement planning, we're talking about many facets of somebody's life. We are talking about the health component, right? If having all the money in the world doesn't do you any good if you don't have your health. So there is a health, and we talk about that a lot And, and as far as how retirees' uh, social circles get small, and that's part of what we try to do is increase the, the uh, social circles for retirees as well because that does produce a, a healthier retirement. But then you have the income piece, and you have the tax piece, and you have the health care and the long-term care piece, and the estate planning piece, and the investment piece. All of that is correlated together. And we, in times like this, we see how correlated all of those things really are. Some people like the couple that you talked about, Sean, they're very financially strong. They're in a position where if they ride it out, they're going to be okay. If they don't ride it out and they go to cash, they're going to be okay. But not everybody's in that position. And we see in these types of times where people make drastic decisions, they sell out when it's 30% down, 40% down, and then they never recover. They never recover. So if people out there are thinking that they are going to sleep better if they sell now, what we see is you might temporarily sleep better, but then once this does rebound and you never recapture those gains, your portfolio never gets back to where it was, then it could, it could hurt your sleep over the rest of your retirement. So everybody is different. At the end of the day, this is your decision. We just want you to make the best decisions for you based on good information. And selling in these times for most people doesn't make a lot of sense. And we know we can't time the market, to to your point, Lauren. So uh, the challenge with when we move out of cash or um, whether it's the entire account or all of our balances is we don't know when, you know, you can ask them, well, what's the trigger? What's going to get you to get back in? And they really can't answer that, right? I mean, generally it's like, well, I'll, I'll know when this is over. Well, we don't know, right? We don't know when the bottom's going to be. And then generally it's, it can be a, a, quite a while after the bottom before we're getting back in. And, and the statistics show that when you miss on the rebound, then your overall rate of return that you're realizing is impacted dramatically. Yeah, that, that, that study references if you miss just the top 20 days in the stock market, just the top 20 days, then your return goes from a little bit over 7% down to a little bit uh, somewhere around 2%. Which That's is significant. A, a significant difference, just the top 20 days. But it just so happens that those big days, those top 20 days, tend to happen after the big drops. Right. So you have to go through the pain in order to get the top 20. But if, if you go through the pain and then you sell, you never have the ability to recoup with the top 20. And then that's and that's why investors behavior is probably the biggest efficiency between the returns. So we, we look at index returns versus investors returns. The difference between that, the index returns typically are higher. And the difference is due to investment investor behavior of making irrational decisions in times where the stakes are at the highest. And and you talk about the wild swings. Look what we've seen over the last three weeks, right? We've seen nine plus percent swings, you know, in in the two day time period that we had was, was negative nine one day and plus nine the next day. How closely correlated are these indices and whether people are pulling out or getting into the market. I mean, I, I know a lot of different things go into the 
the value of stocks. And, and it is kind of hard for me anyways to wrap my mind around all the things that, that help that fluctuate a market. But the drop that we're seeing and then the rise again, is that closely correlated with people pulling out of the market or there's so many other factors? What we're seeing today with all the technology is that a lot of this movement, the market movement, is due to algorithms. So the computers that are hitting, the stock market's hitting certain benchmarks, and the computers are just selling across the board. The stock market is hitting certain benchmarks, and the computers are buying across the board. So a lot of this volatility is taking place due to technological advances and how we use technology today to buy and trade. They're talking about, on the news today, they're talking about trading the New York Stock Exchange floor. Not, not the exchange itself, not the market, but the floor. Because that's where a lot of people congregate, which is exactly what we, we are told right. not to do right now, especially in a state like New York. And, and they're talking about how that how little of effect that will actually have on trading because it's not done on the floor anymore. Do, do you remember watching some old old videos or news clips of the New York Stock Exchange floor, maybe the Chicago floor, and you had see all these men in the suits and carrying you, pieces you, of paper you might around? See a it looks insane. In the air. And, it looks yeah, insane. Yeah, they're carrying all this paper, and then they would the the, the uh, exchange would close, and they leave, and all this papers on the floor and you see the people sweeping it up right that doesn't happen anymore that does not happen anymore it's all it's all done tech through technology so the relevance of a floor like that is significantly less uh and a lot of the market movements the big swings have to do with the algorithms that are being put on on the different exchanges the the vix the vix that's that's an index and it measures volatility in the market if we look, and, and really they started using this in about 1990, so that's kind of the history that we have. If we look at the top, at, at the top most volatile days, top 100 since 1990, 92 of them are from 2008. 92 of the top 100 volatile days are from 2008. What we're going to see when this is all over is that 2008 and 2020 are going to consume the top 100, maybe the top 200 most volatile days. Right now, just with this month of March, it already has five of the top 10 most volatile days. 3,000 points in one day down was the biggest single drop in market history, point-wise. Not percentage-wise, point-wise. Percentage-wise, it's still Black Monday, 1987. And based on the, the way that the markets are designed, the circuit breakers that are in place, I don't think they're going to be able to, we, we are going to be able to eclipse a percentage drop greater than 2000 or 1987. Because now if the market closes or goes over 20%, then it just closes down. Whereas it was 22% Black Monday, 1987. When it dropped in 1987, what number was it at though? Was it a lot lower than? It, it was significantly lower. I thought well, <laughs> so you were going to say the number. I, I, I had it in my head. Like 20, I, I don't remember I mean, was exactly. it at like 5,000? I mean, like it's it's way lower. I mean, the, single digits, thousands, right. whatever it was. So, I don't know. so that percentage is sort of it's, misleading because... Well, percentage, well, it's more about percentages. Percentages are more comparable than points. Right, and that's so the... Okay. we should always talk... Yeah. That, that's why they do the percentages because points, if... if You're if, 20, in, yeah. Yeah, in 1987, if the Dow was trading at 1,000 and it loses 200 points, Big, it, yeah. we, we lose 200 points in a minute today, right? Right, so right. And it, like 20,000, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's not that insignificant. So the Dow lost 500 points in a single trading day, which was 22% of the market, or almost 6,000 point equivalent in today's Dow. That's yep. the biggest, okay. It was almost yeah. double. 
the, the worst day was almost double. But from a volatility standpoint, so we lost 3,000 points in that one day, which is near 10%. It was actually a little bit over 10%. And then that next day, we gained near 10%. We haven't had that type of volatility since 1929. And 1929 was the start of the Great Depression. So the volatility is off the charts right now, and we're setting new records all the time. Now, volatility doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. It creates panic, especially when we have this type of volatility, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing if you have a plan in place. There's strategies that you can incorporate to help benefit from that volatility. And also that plan in place helps alleviate the anxiety because you already know what you're going to do when this volatility or this type of volatility comes into place and you know the impact or have a good idea of what kind of impact it's going to have not only on your portfolio, but also on the rest of, uh, on the rest of your retirement. And it's interesting, too, across the three major indices, Monday was the worst day ever for the NASDAQ, second worst day ever for the S&P, and third worst day ever for the Dow Jones from a percentage decline standpoint. Which can create some opportunities. It sounds really bad, but, but your portfolio should not be reacting like the market's kind of like what we were talking about, Molly. You don't want your retirement, your retirement vision, your lifestyle to be market dependent. If the market's down 3,000 points, you don't want to have to say, well, I'm not sure I can go buy groceries today, right? Because I need to save money. The plan in place should not be, your portfolio should not be re reacting like the market. So I think one of the opportunities that we can go, that we can take away from right now, again, complacency, complacency sets in after 11 years of a bull market. Complacency sets in, people feel fine. They don't want to take action to protect themselves or really evaluate what, what kind of bad things could happen when a recession takes place. But now we've had that opportunity, you know how your portfolio reacted versus the market. And if you're one of those that is sweating it out and unsure of it, the type of long-term implications it's going to have on the effectiveness of your retirement plan, well, I think the good news, the silver lining here is, is I think this is going to be relatively short-lived. Not all recessions are the same. And I do not believe this is going to be another great recession. I think it's going to be relatively short-lived. In fact, I think that the second half of this year, 2020, could be one of the best second halves of, of a year that we have in a very, very long time. So pay attention to what's taking place with your portfolio. Don't, don't incorporate knee-jerk reactions into your behavior pattern. We will get out of this. And when we do, then is a good time to reevaluate. Do you want to go through that again? Because recessions, on average, happen every four years. You're going to probably go through many recessions over the course of your retirement. So we're going to see this again. We may not see a pandemic a pandemic like this again, but we might. But the markets will react like this again. You're going to lose money in your portfolio again. So when this thing does rebound and the end of the world doesn't happen, then we can take a look at what changes we need to make that you can take a look at what changes you need to make to make sure the next time this happens that you don't have to have overdue stress, that you don't have to risk your retirement, and you don't have to feel like everything's collapsing around you. I mean, we quickly forget, you know, the performance of the market in the past. So a bear market, we were on the verge of it. In December of 18, we hit negative 19% off of a high. So we were within one point of hitting a bear market. So the, these things will continue to happen and do happen. The, the, well, the questions that we're getting, because we have a plan in place for this for, for everybody. So the questions that we're getting is now the time to execute the plan. And some of the tactical decisions that we are making right now with our families is for those 
families that it makes sense to do Roth conversions this year from a tax standpoint? Is this the time to pull the trigger? Is this the time to start taking some pre-tax money, paying tax on it now, and then put it, putting it in a Roth IRA where you never have to pay tax on that growth for the rest of your life? And right now we have a 30% discount, which what, what that means is that you can move more shares of your money over at deflated value and then eventually when we do come out of this, it's going to be in a vehicle that you never have to pay taxes on that growth. So you get this mushroom cloud of growth that's all tax-free, which is incredibly powerful. So if you're looking for an opportunity for stimulus when, when we come out of this, would you rather have your money mushroom in a positive way and pay taxes on that growth? Or would you have your money mushroom in a positive way and have all of that growth tax-free? And that's those are some of the tactical decisions we're making right now with a lot of our families. Is this a good time at a 30% discount to start paying taxes on our money and moving it to a vehicle that when it does recover, it's going to be tax-free? Does that tax that you have to pay in the year that you do that, does that prevent some people from making this move? I mean, can that be a pretty hefty tax bill? It's, it's hard. It's, it's a psychological battle to say... I want to pay taxes right now on this money when I may not have to. I may not be forced to pay taxes on it for another decade. But what we have to do is we have to look at the entire environment, the entire landscape. Taxes right now for many people, for most people, are on sale. The lowest tax bracket available to us right now is 10%. We haven't seen the likes of that prior to 2010. We have to go all the way back to the 50s. The highest tax bracket today is 37%, which seems really high. And a lot of people are paying taxes in the 22, 24% federal tax bracket, which seems really high. But historically speaking, that 37, all we have to do is go back to the 80s and it was over 70%. The highest tax bracket we've ever seen is 94%. So taxes have been historically much higher. All Congress has to do is nothing, which they're really good, good at, by the way. All they have to do is <laughs> nothing between now and January 1st in 2026, and tax rates are already going to go up. The 12% is going to 15, the 22 is going to 25, the 24% is going to 28. They're going up. And so if, if it makes sense from a tax standpoint to pay taxes on some of your money now at, a, at the same or lower rate, and then when the, we come out of this recession to have the money grow tax-free, that's uh, to me, that's two powerful wins. And Lauren, those ideas are practical. They make sense. They're still sort of confusing to some people that don't work in the industry. But I still think emotions can sometimes win. And it's hard, Sean, not to let those emotions win. Again, the emotions are going to be there. I mean, we should be concerned this uh, when it comes to the financials and having a secure retirement. This is important to us. But I would say let's not panic, right? Don't worry. That's what he, we're here for. This is what we do every day. So, I mean, we, we know we want to stay the course wherever possible. If you're not forced to sell any of your investments, then let's not even be considering that. We talk all the time. We hear it when markets go down, that presents an opportunity. So whether it's if, if you've chosen to already have a financial plan and a retirement plan, there you may have opportunities. If you're out there um, doing it yourself, if you have cash available, now may be the opportunity. I mean, one truth with the markets is that the truth is that there is uncertainty, right? We don't know for sure what's going to happen we have educated guesses. You should expect that us as professionals, and we're doing this every day, should have educated guesses. But ultimately, we still don't know for sure what's going to happen. The value of having a plan, though, is that regardless of what happens, 
we're going to have you in a position where we can you know, take an action and be intentional with the strategy that we decide to act upon, whether that's living, living too long or dying prematurely, whether that's markets up, market markets up or markets down. Um, we, we've just got to be in a position to, you know, take advantage of it. We got to have the optimism. This will subside, right? We, this is unique from the standpoint of that we're impacted on the social side of things as well. Right. We, we can go to grocery stores, maybe gas stations and maybe pharmacies, but that's about it at this point. Right? I've got a lot of friends that I've never seen them in a fitness club and they really want to go bad now that they can. <laughs> right? Th- they, they take things away from us and then it bothers right. us. Right? I so, think I'll start getting fit right now. Oops, can't. Yeah, exactly. So again, stay the course. We know the, the indicators and, and the economic factors are there that we could see as quick of a correction as we did the, the, the downside, uh, we could see a quick upside. But, but again, ultimately, we, we don't know. I think time's a big factor. You know, how long uh, are the number of cases going to spike? And, and are we going to still see this, you know, um, just spreading quicker or more than we think? So that's going to be a big part of it. In order to continue this conversation and continue with what we feel is really important, which is getting you information and education, we've started doing some online workshops. So you can go to our website right now. It's MerkleRetirementPlanning.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E. And we've got online workshops about the SECURE Act and how it affects your retirement. Uh, If you're a pre-retiree, there's a workshop there for you. And if you're already retired, there's some great information too. So you can sit at home and continue this conversation. We'll continue adding more information to this platform. It's our podcast, of course, and it's called Retiring Today. And we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. can still work that into plans. What walls? Don't you still have walls torn up? Oh, in my house? house? Your house? No, I haven't torn them up yet. Oh, I'm, still, I'm still trying to get stuff out of the house so I can tear them up. Is this going to be like the deck? I feel like you're working on your deck. Three years. Three, yeah. Every time I see it. Like, what's new? Still working on my deck. (laughs) Good conversation. Nice talk, Lauren. I just finished it last summer. Last fall, maybe. How long did the basement bathroom take? I feel like we heard about that for Ooh, a while, That too. was, that was when I was too. in my get-to-know-you get discovery phase yeah. of, for, yeah. that lasted <clears throat> over three years with Lauren, yes. and I tried to ask him personal stuff and get to know him. The bathroom came up a lot, too. Yeah, that was years, <laughs> years, years. 